Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. This morning, if you would turn in your Bibles to uh, sincerely thank you, um, church, what a pleasure it is to um, be a part of this family um, in, a, in, a, in a world and time where family uh, can be complicated and uh, not necessarily something we boast in. I don't know if you have that section of your family you just don't talk about uh, on purpose. Um, family can be very complicated. And so that's why in, in, I'm so glad the family of God exists. Um, because when, when my family starts acting weird, I just come hang, hang out with you weirdos, and it's just less weird. It's just less weird. Um, and I'm so thankful for what God is doing in and through my wife and in and through this church. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 23. Deut- Deuteronomy 9, verse 23. Let me lay out where we are. So we're in the middle of a series called The Christian Atheist. So um, a Christian atheist, an atheist is someone who doesn't believe in God, right? And, and, and uh, so they live their life like God doesn't exist because they're an atheist. They don't believe in God. So they live their life that way. Uh, I remember growing up, uh, we never believed in Santa Claus in our house, um, So we lived our life that way. But for those who cherished Santa Claus and knew about Santa Claus, they just lived as if he existed all year long. And so this morning, we are finishing up our series um, on the Christian atheist. And we'll be talking about, I believe in God, but I don't trust him fully. I believe in God, but I don't trust him fully. And this passage here in Deuteronomy 9 If I paint the backdrop for you, the people of Israel are about to cross the Jordan into the land that God had promised them. And as they got up to the Jordan River, God said to them, and and I'll read a little bit before 23. He said, listen, you're about to cross into the Jordan River and take over the land that I've given you. But don't be mistaken. You are not getting this land because you've been good. So don't be confused. And then he starts breaking down why they have not been good. Have your parents ever done that to you? They just break it down while you're so evil? Well, this is what he says. He he said, look, it's not because you're good. It's because God is good. You're about to get this blessing because 
God is good, not because you are good. And he says in verse 23, when he's rolling out all the failings of Israel, if you think you're a failure and you can't execute Christianity well, welcome home. Uh, that is all of us and especially the people of Israel. Um, and if you don't know who the people of Israel are, they're God's people. They were God's chosen people. And in 23 of chapter 9 it says, and at Kadesh Barnea, the Lord sent you out with this command. Go up and take over the land I have given you. Hear this. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to, and if you highlight, uh, underline this, but, and you refused to put your trust in him. Or obey him. You refuse to. Refuse to. God has brought you to this land. You refuse to do it for a, probably a plethora of reasons. These folks were scared all the time, these people of Israel. And so today, we'll take a little poll. We'll take a little poll. How many of you would consider yourself a control freak? That's okay. Some of you are resisting the urge to grab the person's arm next to you and jam it up in the air. If that was your urge, you are also a control freak. Hey, you've been exposed. You go out to eat. Some of you are familiar with this conversation. You go out to eat, and that one person always gets their way. They always pick where you're going to eat. If it's me and my wife after six years, it's this ongoing back and forth of where do you want to eat? My wife will say, oh, I don't care. I'll say, well, let's go to Arby's. Oh, no, I don't want that. Okay. Let's go to a steakhouse. Oh, I'm not in the mood for steak. I don't, I don't want any of that. I thought you didn't care. But somebody knows. Or this, this, is, this is really it. This is really it. And, and celebrating six years of marriage this weekend, this, this really rings true. Some of you, if you are not driving the vehicle... No matter where you are in the car, you will bark directions. Won't you stay in your lane? You're going too fast. Hey, why don't you turn here? Take this exit. Do you know how many trees I've almost hit? Because my wife said, take this exit. We're at the exit. We're passing the exit. Let's break everyone's neck to get over here to where you've talked. You want to drive? I'll pull over. Don't judge me. You know what? You know. The tricky part here, and that's funny, right? Because it's true. This seeps into our spiritual lives. Now, we will, 
what I'll call the partially surrendered life. Everybody say partially. Partially surrendered life. Uh, for me, I'll tell you, my wife will attest to this. I am a, I, I have issues when I go anywhere where chairs are to be put out. And you're like, what? that's weird. I know it's weird. But if I go there, for instance, let's look at this choir loft. Listen, my, the staff already know where I'm going with this. And the choir. Because they've heard it. You see how... They're not evenly spaced. And so I come in here every morning and I straighten these chairs. And then they do this. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. You know what? When, when uh, we set up chairs for anything, when 13 years of student ministry setting up chairs, my, I would ask my, I try and delegate. I try and delegate. Hey, baby, can you set up the chairs for tonight? She'd go set up the chairs. She didn't do it right. What's the point? It wasn't that she didn't do it right. She didn't do it the way I wanted it done. So follow me. In our spiritual lives, we oftentimes, re, we do not give control over to God because we are afraid he won't do it the way we want him to do it. We want the outcome. We think, okay, I know what outcome I want for my life, so... I'll do it my way. But hey, God, you can have these other things that are easy. So I'm gonna, I just want to talk for a moment about the partially surrendered life. And in the Bible, there's a verse. There's a verse that says, it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'll read it to you. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him, and you can make your own paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 of the PSV, the partially surrendered version. And we all laugh. We're like, no, that's not it. And the, I, You've heard that verse a million times. But it's interesting. We can quote it, but we can't live it. And so we're great at quoting Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But what I just read to you is actually how we live our lives. Partially surrendered to God. I'll give God some things, but not everything. I'll, I'll give him an hour on Sundays, uh, but my Fridays and, night, uh, Fridays and Saturday nights, hey, they're mine. I'll give him some quiet time in the morning when nothing else is going on, but I'm not going to let him decide what movies and television I watch. I, I, I'll watch whatever I want. I'm a mature Christian. Oh. I'll trust you with my salvation, but when it comes to my kids and, and their future and how they spend their time, I will dictate that and God will fit into it. You feel me? You understand where we're going. That, that we can trust God with lots of things, but then we'll decide the things we don't want to trust him with. And we'll trust ourselves with it. I'll follow the church on Facebook, but don't ask me to serve. Um, 
I'll believe that God will answer prayers for others, but not sure about mine. I want to trust you with everything, but I just can't. Just can't. There is, the Christian atheist says, I believe in God. I believe in him. I just don't trust him fully. And you would be shocked the amount of Christians that live this way. There's a guy, there's a guy named Charles Blondin. I think they have a picture. Hey, Charles. On September 14th, 1859, Charles Blondin crossed the Niagara Falls on a tightrope, a tightrope about two inches thick around, 1,300 feet long across Niagara Falls. How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? Anybody? Walked a tightrope across it. Um, When that wasn't enough, he put on a potato sack, like a potato sack race, and he hopped and walked across a tightrope across Niagara Falls. He decided, let's bump it on up. Let's make it more risky. So Charles gets on some stilts, goes across Niagara Falls. Not enough. Charles goes out, gets to the middle of the tightrope, Bends down and cooks an egg. I'm not kidding. True story, true story. That wasn't enough, so they put a blindfold on him. Went across it blindfolded. Somebody, one of the, uh, one of the media that was there, people watching, you know, it was just newspapers back then, said, I bet you can do that with a wheelbarrow full of potatoes. He's going across with a wheelbarrow with some potatoes in it. And so the interviewer, the the reporter after this says, man, look, that's great. You're awesome. You're good. But I bet you could do that with a human in the wheelbarrow. And Charles said, I know I can. Jump in. (laughs) No, sir. He didn't get in that wheelbarrow. Look, I'll trust that you, I've seen you do it, I've, I've watched you do it, I believe in you, but I will not fully surrender to it. This, this is how our spiritual lives can end up walking out. Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, storm on the sea, sees Jesus coming across the water, steps out of the boat, walks on water. Why? He's seen Jesus work, he's watched him do it, he believes in Jesus. And he walks right on water over to the Lord before he starts sinking. And many of us live our lives in such a way we would never step out of the boat. We would never give over fully to it. We've been around Jesus. We've heard about Jesus. We believe. We've even seen him work. But we would never step out of the boat. There's a, um, but, but the good news is... That you can experience that. You can experience that. And the other good news is you are not alone in your faith struggles. Hear me today. You are not alone in your faith struggles. There's a story in Mark. Um, 
There's a story in Mark chapter 9 where there's a a demon-possessed boy. Demon-possessed. Jesus sends his disciples to heal the boy. Okay? So here goes his disciples. They go down. They, They try to heal him. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And amidst this story, the father comes to Jesus. And in verse 22 through 24, he says this. The man, the, the, the dad of this demon-possessed boy, says to Jesus, But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Did you hear what he said? But if you can. And so Jesus re- responds. He says, If you can. Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately, immediately the boy's father says this. I do believe. Would you help my unbelief? Help me overcome My unbelief. I want to trust you, and I sort of do, but not all the way. I've seen it. I've heard about you, but God, please help my unbelief. And I'll tell you why this just open cracks my heart open this morning, because my faith is imperfect. I've been around church my whole life. I've seen Jesus do incredible things, but certain areas of my life, I still wrestle to trust him with it. I still wrestle to give it over to him. I'm trying to white knuckle this particular area of my life. So this morning what I'm going to ask you to do is get honest. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, get honest. Get honest. In your bulletin, there's a little fill-out sheet. There's pens in the pew in front of you. I want you to pull that out. If you don't fill out anything else, I want you to fill out the following line that says, I don't Fully trust God. And then there's a blank. And I want you to write it. I want you just to get honest with yourself this morning and say, what am I not fully surrendering to him? With my children? How do you know if your children are, if you've totally trusted God with your children? How do you know that? Because you You allow him to control and not you. For my salvation, with my finances, I don't fully trust God to forgive me. Do you know what I've done, pastor? Do you you see the, I don't see the ugliness in most of your hearts. Can I be honest? Most of you come to church and you act like you're fine. You go home, you won't even admit it to your friends, You won't admit it to your family. You won't admit it to your your husband, your wife. But when you're by yourself, alone with the presence of God, and he exposes the wickedness of your heart, it's there. Pastor Carl, can can God forgive me? I, I just don't know if I can fully trust him to protect me, to do what's best for me. Don't you think I know what's best for me? Hey, look at me. Look at, look at me for a second. Have you ever thought, man, this is going to be perfect. 
This is going to work out great. I'm tempted to tell a Woody Jones story, but I am not going to do it. Not gonna, I'm going to save it for a different sermon. Woody's one of our elders here, really good friend, uh, great leader here. But I'll just say he's gotten us in a couple situations where I'm like, he said, hey, Carl, brother, I got, I got a great plan. Met a guy named Bob. Look, let me tell you something. Crazy. Didn't turn out that way. I don't fully trust God to heal me. How many of us have ever been sick? And you just, you just have this moment of, hey, I trust God, but I, can he really do this? To guide me. And, I, and I'll just be very transparent and, and raw with you this morning. This, my current trust struggle is, is this church. I love you. I love this church so much, and I see what God's doing in it, right? And, and what I find myself doing is placing myself as all too important here. And so I try and control this or shape this, and I find myself in different moments saying, this has got to be the right way, and, and I wrestle with God because I want to make sure everything works out so people see Jesus, right? Great motives, but then I white-knuckle in those motives, the ministry here. And what God is working out in me. Some of y'all are looking like what? One thing, can I take a pause for a second? One thing I will never be here is fake. I'm never going to stand in this pulpit and pretend like I've achieved completion in Christ. Let me tell you something. He's still working on this man's heart. You ask my wife. You can ask the people around me. God is still working on me. And he will be working on me until the day of completion. Can I tell you something that's encouraging though? Look at me. Look at me in the eyes and listen. He doesn't stop until it's finished. What he starts in you, he does he sees all the way through to the end. So if you've come here today and you're in the process and you're still trying to figure out how to trust God, let me tell you something. It's okay. It's okay. You need to admit that you don't trust him in these areas so that he can work that out in your spirit. Work that out in your life. And, and I promise you something. He will finish it. He will finish it. So talking very quickly about developing a wholehearted trust. Well, pastor, how do, how do we do that? How do we trust God fully? And so that verse I just misquoted, let's go through it. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And lean not. Lean not. On your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. In some versions it said, we've memorized it, acknowledge him. And he, he will make your path straight. 
the key point here, the key word is the submit word, okay? So to submit to him or to acknowledge him is this word yada, not Yoda, yada. Everybody say yada, it's fun. Go ahead. Talk about it at dinner, it'll make you sound smart. Yeah, I learned about yada today. This word acknowledge, submit, yada, means coming to know and submit by observing, reflecting, and experiencing. You also see this word yada in the New Testament where Adam yada, Eve. He knew Eve. And that's just not centered around sex. It's, it's centered around intimacy. Adam knew Eve intimately. And so what this is saying is that in order to trust the Lord with all your heart, you have to lean on, not on your own understanding. You know it all. Hey, look at me. You're a know-it-all. Hey, it's okay. Just sit, sit under that for a second. You trust in him with all your heart when you lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, yada him. Know him. Not just know about him. Not just be able to quote facts about him. But know him intimately. Intimately. How do you know someone intimately? We're not talking about sex here. We're just talking about how do you know them intimately. Look at me. Proximity. Proximity creates. Can you be intimate with someone? If I'm standing here and you're, you're up in Midlothian? No. It's the closeness. It's the proximity. And some of us think that we're just going to learn how to trust Jesus from a distance. If I keep Jesus on Sunday morning, then somehow you're going to learn how to trust him with everything just by accident? No. You need to know him. Yada, you need to know him intimately. Before he makes your path straight, he asks you to know him. To know him. Not just know about him. And, 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 and the interesting thing is we will say we want God to prove himself before we trust him. Okay, God, listen. I will start tithing, but you've got to provide some extra money. And I promise I'll tithe. Let me see you do that first. Uh, some of us would say, God, I tell you what. If you just prove to me that if I commit time to serve, that I'll also have time to play golf. and Give me some extra golf games. I'll serve in the parking lot of church. Tell my wife. We want God to prove himself so we can trust him. God, if you will, I'll trust you. And the interesting thing is, that is, look at me. There is, and I keep saying look at me and I realize it, but I, I need you not to fall asleep. So. Everybody's like, I wish you would hurry. Nowhere in this book does God ever 
say that. What does he say? Taste and see that the Lord, he is good. What God actually says in his word is he wants us to trust him so he can prove himself. God wants you, 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 you. God wants you today to trust him fully so he can prove himself. And Hebrews 11 tells us we do that by faith. Faith comes by hearing. Well, that, that's not Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? We have to do it by faith. And, it, and the Bible also tells us a little farther down, we can't please him without it. Did you know? And the reason most of us today do not trust God fully is because we don't actually know him. So if you knew him really, um, you would trust him fully. Uh, we, we know about him, but we don't know him intimately. An African impala. Have you ever seen one of those? Huh? Looks like a deer. But it's not. An African impala can jump 10 feet high and a distance of over 30 feet. Did you know that? At full speed, they can jump 10 feet high, land 30 feet later. Isn't that nuts? You can contain this same animal with a three-foot-high wall at the zoo. That's right. Look, the impala instinctively will not jump where he cannot see his feet land. He will only jump where he can see the landing. That's why they can do that. And many of us are operating in our Christian walk that way. I'm not going to trust God unless I see where this thing is going to end. I'm not going to trust God with all of these things. I need to be able to shape and manage that myself. And what I'm asking you to do today is take a step of faith. That whatever's holding you back, you can give it to him. And this is what happens. When you trust him fully, there's three things you'll get to know. You'll get to know the goodness of God, how good he is. You'll get to know the love of God. Everybody say love. And you'll get to know the faithfulness of God. Many of us today don't understand God's faithfulness fully because we never trusted him fully. Never trusted him fully. Psalms 103 through 5 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. What a promise. What a promise today that no matter what the generation, his faithfulness remains. And hidden in this verse, as we close out, as we get ready to close. Hidden in this verse is the key 
to slain the Christian atheist in each of us. This verse says, we are his people, right? The what? The sheep. Everybody say sheep. Of his pasture. And what are we told to do? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Do you know when the sheep would enter the gates of the city? There's one time each year. In the Old Testament, the sheep would enter the gates of the city one time each year, and they would enter the gate. The sheep would enter the gate for sacrifice. That's when they entered. One time each year, they would bring the sheep through the gate for sacrifice. Now, this would make no sense. So someone reading the Psalms would say, we're supposed to enter the gates with thanksgiving if we're his sheep? Yes. Yes, you are. He's saying to us that if we sacrifice ourselves and trusting our own understanding and thinking we've got it all figured out, that if we can relinquish complete control of our lives, Entering those gates would be a point of praise and thanksgiving to God. And so this morning, you may not trust Him fully. I, and I don't know what it is for each of you. I've kind of told you where mine is and where I wrestle currently and where God's working out trust in me. And it's a daily thing. Listen, it's not something I pray for once a month. It's something I daily submit to. The Bible tells us to mortify the flesh. Have you ever heard that? The, the New Testament tells us to mortify the flesh, to put to death the things of our flesh. And today, I'm asking you to die to yourself. I am a self-admitted control freak. I think my way is the best way. And I can tell you very clearly and distinctly in my mind that has ended me in some really bad places. And today, I don't know what you're not surrendering to him. If it's your kids, if, you're, if it's your finances, is it your time, is it, I don't know, is it your heart? You surrender, to, you, you, you surrender to God on Sundays and then the rest of the week you just live as if he doesn't exist. I don't know. I'm asking you to trust him. Trust him. And, and, and he will be made great. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes, Kirsten's going to sing just a bit. And if you would like prayer, you can come. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.